Amen. You guys can grab a seat if you haven't already. Josh, thank you so much for uh, reciting that, brother. I really appreciate it. And we, we, um, we have art that comes every week from artists in our church, which is a beautiful um, thing. And so, Meredith, thanks for doing that. I know you're somewhere online, so thank you. I uh, appreciate you, uh, sister. Uh, today, we have a, a powerful psalm to look at. Uh, in the words of the great Christian mystic and Christian and Missionary Alliance, uh, Alliance Life editor, A.W. Tozer, uh, he said this, what, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind, which also represents our heart, is the, uh, when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. Um, and I wonder if maybe uh, what comes into your mind is one of these two stereotypes when you think about the power of God. This psalm is all about power, and maybe one of these comes to mind when you think about God's power. Uh, maybe you think of this, uh, this meek and mild Anglo-Saxon Jesus that like, hangs above your grandmother's mantelpiece, maybe like this, uh, if we can get that first picture on the screen. Just, uh, Jesus with the lamb and some abnormally large eyes, right? Can we admit those eyes aren't very uh, human? Does, yeah. Something's not right about that Jesus, right? Uh, likewise, uh, so you have meek and mild Jesus. Maybe on the other hand, what comes into your mind when you think about God um, is sort of what we'll call Thanos God, right? So God um, in power with white knuckling lightning bolts as he aims blindly uh, at planet Earth, right? Maybe you have this picture of God in your mind. And I think today what Psalm 29 wants to do is to, to give us a new picture of God that is, is neither one of these, um, these caricatures of God. And uh, I, I think it's a beautiful picture. And it's a picture of what, I, what I'm going to call uh, the beautiful power of God. The vision that Psalm 29 wants to give us is a picture of God's beautiful power, right? And this is um, kind of hard for us right now uh, in a world that we've grown up in. Uh, Power isn't really something to be considered beautiful, right? It's maybe a resource. It's maybe something you don't have. It's maybe something to try for. Um, as the old saying says, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, right? So we, we know these things. This is the world that we've grown up in. And so the idea of power as a beautiful thing, oh, that doesn't make sense, right? Um, and when you look at the world, it, uh, of course it doesn't make sense. We look at, at power with skepticism, right? Um, you think of the, the tyrants and the dictators who have left society starving and hungry. You think of America's own history where we, where we um, shed the power of our British brethren to start our own place. You think of the power um, that even in our own history that we used um, for the, the slave trade and redlining and social covenants, um, even within our own thing. And so we've, we criticize power up there because it's outside of ourselves. Um, in the words of Brethren Kanye West, we say, uh, no one man should have all that power, right? Uh, but here's what we do in return. We, we agree with Kanye. We say, no one man should have all that power. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, everyone should have all that power, right? So we take power and we internalize it. The way, if we can't have power out there, we have to have power from within our own self. And so now uh, every year when I have to pay wheel tax, I say, why, why do they, I have to pay wheel tax, right? Like, I don't want to pay wheel tax. I don't drive on all these streets. I just drive on the one street I drive on, right? Or, uh, you know, right now, Walmart, Target, uh, what gives them the right to make me wear a mask in their store? Or uh, within our politics, right? My body, my choice. We want to be autonomous, right? And the word autonomous uh, simply means auto, self, anonymous, law. We want to be self-regulating, self-law givers. And so the power 
that corrupts is out there, uh, but for some reason we believe the power in here doesn't corrupt. We believe we can manage our own life. Um, and so we want absolute control over ourselves. But the ironic thing is uh, the power that corrupts absolutely isn't just for the, the politicians and the tyrants and the dictators, but that same power can corrupt us in here. And it's in that, um, that social setting that I think Psalm 29 wants to give us a beautiful picture of God's power. Uh, a picture that can answer these questions, right? What, what, what can we do? How can we experience power in a way that doesn't corrupt us? How can we be made whole? If all power corrupts, um, is there any power that can actually make us whole? Today in Psalm 29, we'll see that... Um, God's beautiful power doesn't bring about corruption, but it brings about wholeness. God's beautiful power brings about wholeness for his people, right? And so there's two points for us today. Um, Point number one is the power of God, and point number two is the wholeness of his people. Um, So if you would, open up to Psalm 29. uh, We'll read the first two verses together. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. God is is making a very interesting call to worship here. Who's he calling to worship? Can someone tell me who he's calling to worship in verse one? He's calling heavenly beings, right? He's calling the planets and the stars. He's calling uh, mockingly the gods of David's time. He's saying, if you're a God or you think you're a God, actually come and worship me. God is calling the gods to worship him, right? This is a scene set in heaven and why should they worship him? Verse two says uh, they should worship him because he is in the splendor of his holiness. Last night, um, this morning, Andrea released a video uh, called God is Holy. And in it, she describes holiness uh, for kids. And I think we could all do with Andrea's definition of holiness. She says uh, that God is completely other. That's what it means to be holy. Um, There's also um, this sense in which because God is completely other, his holiness um, is both his goodness and his greatness. Because God is all good and because he is all great, his holiness is those two things put together, his goodness and his greatness, completely other. We've never seen anything like this. Um, and this is, this is very good news, right? Uh, because uh, in a sense, we have, uh, we have a predicament here, right? If God is good, but not great, that God is powerless to affect change. And if that God is great, but he is not good, um, that God is a, a cosmic tyrant. He, he has no moral bounds. He has no place to aim his power at. And so in God's holiness, we find both his goodness and his greatness meeting together. And that is why God should be worshiped. And so for us, the, the question we have to ask ourselves is which picture of God are we holding up? The meek and mild, all good, but not great. The one who's your friend, the one who can't actually change the things wrong in our world, can't fix injustice, can't right the wrongs, can't wipe away the tears. If that is the God that we hold up, that is no God at all because he's not great. And likewise, if we hold up this image of God as a a great being, but he's not good, uh, what God is that except a, a cosmic tyrant, a person who doesn't actually love or have moral bounds? He's not good. He's powerful, but he isn't good. That is no God at all. 
Yet in the God of the Bible, we find that those two things come together. And so for us today, um, I challenge you, in whichever way you view God, we all view God some way, whichever way you view God, would you, um, would you ask the Holy Spirit to come and to help you to see God as both good and great, right? Um, and the Psalm continues on to display God's power for us, right? If this is a picture in the heavens, David's saying, this is what's happening. The gods are ascribing glory and so should you. Um, he, he kind of lifts our eyes down and he sets them on earth, which is a very good thing because we get to see God's power on the earth, namely in a thunderstorm, right? So in verses three through verses nine, we see this thunderstorm sweeping across land and sea at the voice of God, right? Seven times we see the voice of God act in very peculiar ways. It says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord uh, makes the mountains of Lebanon skip like a calf. He makes the mountains skip like a calf, guys. That's amazing. I'm trying to build a patio in my backyard. I tried to move two tons of rock and I wish I could have made that rock skip like the Lord could, and he's making the Rocky Mountains move, right? Like the calves, right? I spent the better part of a week trying to move two tons. It's ridiculous, guys. God is powerful. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth, right? He's all powerful. Um, what David wants us to see is that God is powerful, uh, and we notice people in power, right? And that's what David wants us to, to see, that God is the most powerful being. A few years ago, two elderly men sat down on the, the corner of 50th and Underwood to have some ice cream. Do you remember this one? And Omaha went mental, right? Warren Buffett and Paul McCartney sat down on the corner just a mile over here uh, to have ice cream. And we thought we were the coolest city in the world, right? We thought we were the new New York Right? Obviously, it didn't happen. But um, there was a response there, right? If you were in the area, you had to get that selfie, right? When, when, when you're approximate to people of power, it, it calls something out of you. Um, and maybe you were there and you had to get that selfie, right? Or maybe you saw it later on social media and you were like, these people really aren't as good as I thought they were gonna be. As if Paul McCartney hadn't changed music forever and Warren Buffett wasn't the richest man in the world, right? When, when we're next to people of power, it calls something out of us. When we see people in power, it calls something out of us. And I think there's three responses that we can have. Right, the first one uh, is maybe the selfie response. It's an opportunistic view of power. We see people in power and we say, man, that guy is really powerful. That woman is really powerful. And if I align myself with them, maybe I can have some of their power. It's an opportunistic uh, view of power. And likewise, we can have like this, this skeptical view of power. I'd, I don't think those men are as great as, uh, as they seem to be. I'm sure if I dig far enough in their Twitter feed, I'm sure if I dig far enough in the scripture, I will find their flaws and foibles and expose them for who they are. It's a skeptical view of power, right? We can view it as opportunity. We can view it with skepticism. But David offers us a third way to view people in power, particularly God. He gives us a third way to view God's power. Read it with me in verse nine. It says this. 
and in his temple all cry glory. Right? This is the third way to view God. You can view him opportunistically, you can view him skeptically, but the way that David is calling us to view him is in glory, in awe, in wonder. And awe is is a particular thing because you you cannot will yourself to be in awe, right? You can't will yourself to say, that was amazing and truly mean it. It's impossible, you can't do it. And so what does David say, right? He, He precursors it, he says, all in his temple cry glory. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, uh, what is this temple and where's the door and how do I get in, right? Um, and the simple answer is that the, the temple of God is a person. Uh, John chapter two gives this picture of Jesus uh, flipping tables and where is he flipping the tables at, right? He's in the, the temple. This is the place where God's goodness and his greatness meet, where heaven meets earth at the temple, um, And the Pharisees ask a question, uh, a very skeptical question. They ask the question, what gives you the right to do these things? What sign do you do these things by? That's what they ask him, right? In a sense, they're saying, what gives you the right to flip our tables? And Jesus says, this is my sign. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will build it up again. Jesus is moving the temple from a place to enter into, into a person to to enter into, right? To, To come into Christ. And so when we read this text from David and he says, all in the temple cry glory, the only way to see God in awe and wonder is to find yourself in Jesus. He is the temple, a church family. This is a beautiful truth. This is a beautiful truth. And so uh, for us today, have you seen the glory of God for what it is? Have you been in awe of God, because you can't will it. Um, it's something you will probably remember. It's something that comes upon you because Jesus invites you in to himself. And if you've seen God, you've seen God. And if you haven't seen God, you haven't seen God. There's no faking it, although we try to, right? Jesus is inviting you into the temple. He's inviting you into himself. And today I pray, if you haven't seen God, if you're still looking at him with skepticism, if you're still looking at him with opportunism, would you come in and see God for who he is? the loving, powerful, good, majestic, mighty God that he is. My friend Mark walked into the church today and he had this picture of a lion with Jesus on it. Jesus is this powerful lion who invites us into his presence. There's no other God like him. And so the Psalm continues on, uh, let's, let's look secondly at the wholeness of God's people, right? Point to the wholeness of God's people. Um, I love the artwork that Meredith uh, made for us this week. Uh, it's a picture of, a, uh, of a, I'm assuming, a cedar that's been broken by the powerful voice of God, and we find two fawns underneath it, right? And I love what she said. You can find this on social media. She said, uh, I made this uh, because I thought God's power was precise, or she was reflecting on the idea that God's power was precise. It wasn't blind like Thanos who snaps and randomly destroys half of the universe. It's not blind, it's precise. And in here we see, oh, it's gone. In here we see uh, this oak tree that God has split precisely and now it provides a home for these fonts. That's precision, right? Like, that's amazing. And so too, uh, at the end of this Psalm, we see God, uh, or rather the results of God's power. 
Read it with me. It says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned is king forever. And so the picture we have here is, um, is one after God's judgment, right? The flood that God sent during Noah's time was an act of judgment. And here we see God has judged the world with fairness and equity. And all of his people stand up to see their king enthroned. In a sense, what we have here is what Jared said earlier. It's a baptism picture. God has baptized the whole world and their whole self, their old self, what it was. Everyone has been baptized, but only those in Christ rise up to see their king enthroned over the flood. Only those who are in Christ get to see that. And it's in that moment that the, the rains of God's thunderstorms stop. The sun begins to peek out. There's a rainbow arcs across his new creation and the whole world is silent. And water drips from the throne room of God and the new winds and the new world blow through wet hair and everyone's wondering what happens now. Here we are before the almighty, powerful, all good God in his throne room, what happens now? And in that moment, David stands up. David, the man after God's own heart, stands up and he leads all of us in a prayer. And what is his prayer? Read it with me. He says, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. David breaks the silence, praying for strength and for peace for God's people. And for us in Christ, this prayer was answered, right? God has given us strength and he has given us peace. God gives us strength, right? Acts 1.8 um, tells us this. It's the, the theme verse for the Christian Missionary Alliance. It says, um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God has given us his strength. In a world gone blind for power, um, we realize that power isn't attained through knowledge and self-betterment, but it's actually given to us in our Savior. Amen. How freeing is that? How freeing is that? God gives us strength. No longer is it something to attain or to, to chase after. We, we, we have it for free. And why does he give it to us? He gives it so that we can go about his purposes, his glory, his kingdom, his justice. God has given us power, but God has also given us peace, right? I learned something new. Do you know the word in Hebrew for peace? It's shalom, right? Maybe you've heard it, shalom in the home, right? That's, uh, I think, what people say. <laughs> uh, shalom, um, and shalom isn't uh, the absence of like turmoil in the world, uh, but it's actually a radical completeness in God and in his people, right? And so when David prays here that we would be blessed with peace, he's praying that we would have completeness. And he's also giving us a vision that God's power is the only thing that can bring us into completion. Christ is the only thing who can bring us into completion. And both of these are, um, they're communal, right? These aren't just individual gifts, power as if one man can be that powerful. Uh, this isn't just individual peace, it's a communal peace. God gives strength to his people and gives peace 
to his people. And so in that communal uh, sense, I wanted to, to close today's time in Psalm 29 with two, uh, maybe three things. I just thought of one that would be really helpful for us in this moment. At the moment, we're looking for a building, right? This isn't our home. I don't know if you knew this. This isn't where Providence normally meets. Normally we meet in the morning and somewhere else. Um, but because of coronavirus, things are on their head and we're looking for a place to land in the city. And I wonder if, um, because we have been given power in God through Jesus, I wonder if, um, if in our search for a building, it wasn't so much a, a place to land as if a building would complete us as a church, right? Because we're already complete in Christ. But I wonder if we could start viewing our hunt for a place in the city as, um, as, a, as a way to give peace to the world that desperately wants peace. In a world full of anxiety, what if God is using this displacement um, for us to find a place where we can truly dive in and bring peace to you as a community, right? Because we're complete, we can bring peace to a world that longs to know it. Albeit Jesus is the only one who brings eternal, everlasting peace, but we are a people of peace. We are the the non-anxious people, I think is what we say in the office, the non-anxious people in a world filled with anxiety. That's who God is making us to be. And so as we look for a building, man, Jesus, would you, um, would you give us peace, but also would you show us how we could use our peace for a particular place in this time? And secondly, uh, our world has gone power blind, right? There's um, one of the biggest power struggles, at least in my life, and I'm fairly young, so uh, it's not a very long life, but I'm, maybe some of our older gray-haired people can attest to you. There's a, a, a large power struggle happening right now uh, over race and inequality. And regardless of what you believe about those things, um, it's happening. People are struggling, people are fighting, and so it's a struggle. Um, what, what freedom do we have in Christ to give away our power. The power that we're fighting over isn't going to complete us. It's going to corrupt us, right? So why, what are you holding on to, right? You already have an unlimited source of true divine power in Christ. And so um, is there a way in which we can just give our power away? Because we realize we have it all. We have the God who is both good and great. And whatever small power we're holding on to, um, would Jesus show us what that is to give away, right? We don't, we don't need it. We have it all. Right, take it, it's freely given. God has given me his divine self, his Holy Spirit. I don't need um, this power-blinded struggle. And lastly, um, in line with baptism, um, I do think the, the ultimate way that you can show that you've given over your power to God is in baptism, right? Maybe you are um, a new believer, maybe you're an old believer, but you've never actually taken a step into the water. I think there's a powerful moment there for you to be welcomed into the family of God. Baptism is in a sense um, dying to your old self, as Jared said, and rising to new life. It's, um, it's the picture of the flood that we've seen. And so, man, if you haven't bowed the knee and if you haven't died to yourself in the baptism waters and risen to Christ, I pray that you would do that. I pray that the Holy Spirit would work in you um, in this season. And so uh, with that, can I pray with David? Can I invite the band up? We're gonna sing some more of the glory of God. Jeremy's got his baby in the back, so I'll pray really long. Uh, It's okay, bring him on up. It's okay, kids are welcome. (laughs) Uh, Jesus, 
Lord, we trust in you as the great and good God. Lord, you saved us for yourself. Your Holy Spirit now lives in us. God, would you help us to trust in who you've made us to be? We are complete in you, Christ. We lack nothing. Because we have Christ, we lack nothing. Um, and you've empowered us for your, for your work, God, for your glory, for both the, the good deeds of the kingdom and the good news of the kingdom. God, would you help us um, to, to be your people, God, to be a people um, who've been invested in with the divine power of you. The voice that, that shakes the mountains, the voice that makes them skip is the same voice that calls us to you. And it's the same voice that says, with, with just a mustard seed size of faith, you too can make the mountains move. And Jesus, we have faith in you. Lord, um, yeah, call us to something greater, God. We long to be used by you. We long to see your glory in all that it is. Thank you that you've opened the door for us in Christ. In your holy name, amen.